As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability explicit or implied shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome to the Ogladsome Light Podcast. This program contains preaching and teaching from an Orthodox Christian perspective to help you in your walk with Jesus Christ and to be victorious in Him. Well, welcome to the show. It's Ogladsome Light here every Monday at noon on W4CY.com. Internet radio around the world 24-7 with a simultaneous broadcast on K4HD in Hollywood, California. And W4VET live call on number is 561-623-9429. 561-623-9429. Skype address is W4CY Radio. And if you go to the W4CY.com website, you can get into the chat room and chat with us. I'm your show host, Al Mans, and uh, today's topic is paradise or torment. Paradise or torment. Says, what is that talking? What what are we going to talk about today? Well, just put on your seat belts and safety belts, and here we go. Remember the slogan for Oglasm Light is preparing souls for heaven, and that's what the commission is here at uh, Oglasm Light. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about the rich man and Lazarus. And the question is, I'm going to read scripture in a minute, but the question is, was the rich man condemned, did he condemn himself to torment because of his money? Well, let's see what the scriptures have to say about that in today's lesson on the topic of paradise or torment. The first, I want to read the scriptures out of Luke chapter 16. So be attentive. 
There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all of this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us, that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would sendest him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, Unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. And this reading comes from Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. So we're going to talk about today the difference between Lazarus and the rich man and why uh, Lazarus went into torment and why, the La- why Lazarus went into paradise and the rich man went into torment. The first thing I noticed about this is we know Lazarus had a name, but we don't know the rich man's name. It's not revealed in Scripture. And there's a clue there, too, of why it wasn't. So does riches keep you out of heaven or, or not? Well, let's look at some history here about some rich people. Remember the Lord talked in parables, and this was a parable in Luke chapter 16. It is not entirely clear why the rich man ended up in hell, because he was rich in his life? Question mark. We know that from that the gospel, even though wealth is seductive and far always from always being beneficial for a spiritual life, still not all the rich were condemned. Zacchaeus, the rich tax collector, in spite of this, his wealth was saved, and nonetheless with all of his family. And that you can look at that in Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. We remember the wealth of Joseph of Arimathea. Now, he's the guy that provided uh, the tomb for Christ when they brought him off the cross. He was a disciple of Christ in whose tomb the Savior was buried, okay? Likewise, the Pharisee Nicodemus, who met Jesus at night and talked about being born again, one of the chief and leaders of the people of Israel, was hardly a poor man. After all, it was he who brought a 100 liters of expensive aromatic oils to anoint the body of Jesus Christ. That's in John 19, 39. We remember also the rich man that was not condemned by Christ for his wealth, which apparently did not hinder him from remaining a faithful, pious man or from keeping all of God's commandments, 
or upon learning of Christ from coming and venerating him as a teacher. Christ did not at all condemn the rich young man's way of life, but pointed out to him a more perfect way. That reminds me of the story of that one rich man that uh, now you'll see the attitude, the connection between the rich man we're talking about today and another rich man who uh, he's kept all the commandments of the Lord. And uh, what else can I do? He was talking to the Lord. The Lord said, sell all you have and follow me. And he was very rich, and he dropped his head, and his countenance fell, and he, and he walked away. And that's when the Lord said it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into heaven. But it is possible, and if you listen to this show today and really ponder what I say, you'll see a revelation here of how the rich can inherit the kingdom of God and, and be in heaven. Okay? It all boils down to what do you trust in? What's your trust? Do you trust in your wealth? Remember, what about the kingdom of God and mammon? Mammon, M-A-M-M-O-N, mammon. God draws a parallel with that and says uh, they fight against each other. One's acceptable, one's not. And I thought about what uh, God said to Moses in the Old Testament. And Moses had all the nation of Israel with him when he walked around in the desert. And he said to him, the Lord said to Moses, if you ever boast in this stuff that you accomplished it, I'll take it all away from you. So right there, he maintained uh, that Moses had to have a humble spirit. He couldn't trust in his own strength, but he had to lean on the strength of the Lord. And I know some of this may uh, fly up in your face and say, well, I don't agree with you. Well, that's why we have a disclaimer at the beginning of the show. <laughs> so if you don't disagree, uh, if you disagree with me, then uh, you have to take it up with the Lord in the Holy Scriptures, uh, okay? And not me. I'm just one of the, of like a voice crying in the wilderness. I'm not comparing myself to John the Baptist, but uh, I am a voice, and I do have this ministry of old glass of light to get out the truth of the Scriptures, Okay? Let's move on. I remember St. John Chrysostom, one of our church fathers, and he even tells us that the money of the rich, if they give it to the poor, they can obtain their salvation, not by buying it their way into heaven, but also the attitude of the heart that freely given, freely receive, give it away, okay? To give it away. You know, if you give things away, the Lord sees that, and he can add to your to your empty cup. So you, where's your trust? The trust in, uh, I'm not saying that you're not supposed to be industrious and work hard for your money and all that stuff, uh, because we use money today as our form of of uh, buying and selling and all that stuff. Money is, is what, we, uh, what goes around us. But, you know, you think about the Scriptures say, uh, it's not money is the evil, the root of all evil. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. Are you trusting in the Lord, or are you trusting in the money? And I thank God that I'm not a rich person. And, I, and, and uh, because I'm not, I can trust in the Lord that he will, make, he will meet our needs. You know, it's amazing. All of my needs are met. I, I really want for nothing, and, you know, I'm not a greedy person, and uh, one thing that uh, this lesson today brought forth in my heart is 
to be more generous with the poor because we all are a creation of God. We all are created in the image of God, and as the Lord would move me by the Holy Spirit to say, uh, that man there, uh, yeah, you, you think about this beggars, you know, the guys on the street side, you know, and they got their signs up, will work for food and all that. And, uh, you know, you, if you give uh, give money to them, you say, well, they're just going to use it to buy drugs or beer or whatever they're going to do with it, okay? But the thing is, when you do that, when you have that kind of attitude, uh, maybe the Lord is telling you to give that because once you give it, you, and you uh, judge not be, or lest you be judged is what that the Holy Scriptures tell us. You know, uh, even I'm thinking about, you know, a gluttony and I'm I maybe get off the page here a little bit. But think about gluttony is uh, we ought to do more pushbacks. You know, you, you don't eat your full, you eat to, uh, you know, in full of satisfied like the rich man. But always uh, maybe leave the table just a little bit hungry. OK, because, you know, when you get into this fullness feeling and this uh all puffed up with uh, with a big meal and stuff like that, you know. In fact, as I get older, I don't eat as much. I don't have to. You, you can talk about, do I live to eat or I eat to live? Yeah, ask yourself that question. Why am I, why do I eat? Am I picking on you now? Good. The scriptures tell us it's, it's good to, to always be poor in spirit. Why? It's one of the first beatitudes that Jesus taught for the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I don't think the Lord tells lies. I don't think he's capable of lying. He came here to show the love of the Father, okay? And I'm going to talk, you know, last week I talked about the sheep goats, the judgment of the sheep and the goats. And you're going to see this play right into this show today of the attitude of the sheep versus the goats. Okay, so... Big poor spirit is not a bad thing because that's uh, the Lord tells us that those who are poor in spirit that is the kingdom of heaven unless we don't believe uh, the beatitudes because uh, in the Orthodox Church during the Divine Liturgy we always sing the beatitudes reminding us of what Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount. Now let's talk about the rich man's fault is whether he lived only for the flesh. And what does it say about the flesh and the spirit? They have a war with each other, and flesh is flesh and spirit is spirit. And, and as God is a spirit, which we know in Scripture, God is a spirit, then aren't we supposed to be seeking the things above? So the rich man's fall was they lived only for the flesh. He enjoyed earthly goods without measure and completely stifled within himself every manifestation of the spiritual life. Kind of like a slow death. You know, you wake up every morning, and you go about your day, and then you go to sleep. And uh, what I do is a little self-examination before I go to bed at night. This is, what did I accomplish for the kingdom of heaven? What did I accomplish? Did I do anything for me, or did I do something for the kingdom of heaven? Because when I pass from this life to the next, I would like to have, have residency in the kingdom of heaven and not just be uh, cast in a torment. So... The rich man, he prepared himself for a bitter fate. The Apostle Paul tells us, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap, for that he that soweth to the flesh shall reap of the flesh corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life 
everlasting. That comes out of Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 8. Don't take me for, uh, uh, you know, as the, as the uh, teacher today. Go open up the scriptures and read it for yourself, Galatians chapter 6, 7 through 8. And what I'll do during the show is I'll give these references out, uh, these scripture references, so you can go read it for yourself. Each man himself prepares himself a, his portion beyond the grave. If he abides in God's will, that is, does his commandments, which commandments are love towards God and thy neighbor, if he repents when he transgresses the commandments in any way, if he nourishes his soul with the church's mysteries, that means you have to be in church to get the mysteries and to get, receive the holy sacraments or the mysterium of the church takes preparation. If he abides in a prayerful communion with the Lord, then about such a man one may say that the man soweth unto the Spirit. I hope that makes sense to you. Such a man already in this life begins communion with the spiritual world. He becomes, as it were, a citizen. Now, that's what I feel that I'm, we're all, you know, those who want to inherit the kingdom of heaven really are aliens upon this earth, and we're waiting for the true, true city, which is called heaven, the new Jerusalem. After death, such a man enters into a better world and enjoys its good things because of during his temporal life, he managed to acquire in himself the ability to enjoy them. Be satisfied what God gives you and don't say, well, I, I wanted this and this and that and this and that. But maybe the Lord doesn't want you to have all these things. He also says you have not because you ask not. And when you ask God, you ought to ask in faith. And he says, I will give you the desires of your heart. But let's hopefully that your heart is in alignment with God's heart and you would ask for the right stuff. I mean, it tells us in Scripture that our Heavenly Father is a better father than our earthly father because they gave us things uh, as they could. And so if not God, who has an unlimited supply, wouldn't he say that, that uh, I'll fill your cup and it'll run over? And if it's not, then, then you need to look at yourself and see where you're, if you have that spiritual connection with the kingdom of heaven through Jesus Christ. It says, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Say both the forerunner, which is John the Baptist, and Christ in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, and Matthew 4, verse 17. The kingdom of God not only begins, but also continues and is maintained only by repentance, by the consciousness of one's limitedness, sinfulness, and spiritual destitution. And that it tells us in Scripture, without repentance, there is no salvation. Because repentance, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit too, if I have time. Repentance is that changing the way you think and turning around and acting a different way and walking a different way. The constant prayer of, a, of, of the Christian consists of these brief words. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. We say that all day long. You know, St. Paul says, pray without ceasing. You say, well, how can I pray without ceasing? There is, a, there is a, a clue right there in that prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. You're agreeing with God that you're a sinner, okay? Being humble. You know, the humbleness is even the monks. They consider themselves lower than the animals, and that takes humility because, you know, 
God has given us these these beautiful animals, cats, dogs, whatever, you know. And by, by having these animals amongst, they live in peace and harmony with God's creation. I've, I've told this story before. I've seen pictures of monks and had bears come up to them and pet them because they were so peaceful inside. The, the monks were so peaceful that the bears were not afraid or wanted to kill them or maul them. But they were like pets. Quite amazing. I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could sit there and 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 be at such peace that a bear come up and I wouldn't freak out and run away. <laughs> you know. But anyway, that takes great faith. And uh, apparently, they have a lot more faith than I do, because these monks they've given up, they've junked the world and walked away from it, and they they spend their days in in prayer, in repentance, and receiving the mysteries, and and being in communion with God and a community as uh, with other monks. They have the same attitude. And that's where, I guess you could say, that's where it's coming down to is the attitude. And I tell you, we go out in the world today, and you'll see all kinds of attitudes, good and bad. But let us hope that we'd have that good attitude, a godly attitude towards God's creation. You know, without the sinner's prayer, we call it the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Without this prayer, a Christian cannot live, and he spiritually dies, consciousness of one's sinfulness, Poverty, spiritual poverty, I mean, and helplessness makes a Christian a worthy disciple of the Savior, a worthy member of Christ's church in spite of the sinful nature in which he was born. And we call that the ancestral curse, what Adam and Eve brought forth, you know. And that's why Jesus came is to to uh, stop it, to, to intervene in uh, our sinful lives. And, and God the Father, through Christ's obedience, we receive a Savior that if we are hidden in Him, all things are made brand new. Now, the destitute Lazarus received the heavenly reward, of course, not because of his material destitution, but because of his consciousness of his spiritual destitution. Because in this sense, he apparently listened to Moses and the prophets. Luke 16, 29, it's, it's in there. And the rich man of the parable was punished because he did not have this spiritual destitution because he was only about the physical and the flesh and not the spirit. He trusted in his wealth as in an idol. And it talks about that in, 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 uh, in the scriptures about our wealth can become an idol. You know, I've, I've said this before, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can and poison the rest. And that's Hopefully that's not going on in our lives. You don't, and by this, you don't have a feeling for the need of God's help. You become self-sufficient. I can do it my way, as the song says, not God's way. Who needs God? I have so much more. Uh, in fact, I got so much stuff, I'm going to build me another barn, as it says in Scripture. And what happened? An angel came and says, you're a fool, because tonight your soul is required of thee. If any man will only pass from one, you know, one amusement or distraction to another. That's what carnal pleasure is all about. Well, this this uh, this uh, gets my hot button, and then I'll later on I'll go over to this one and I'll go over to this one and go. And so it's just a continued uh, distraction by the enemy to keep you from spiritual to be increasing your spiritual your your spiritual connection with heaven. One amusement to another. And by being in that traffic pattern, you'll be incapable 
of any spiritual sensation, listening to the Holy Spirit and moving when the Spirit says move. What made Abraham righteous before God? God says, get out of here, get out of town and go to this other place. And he didn't tell him where. He just says, follow me. I'll, I'll show, I will lead you. And people said, well, Abraham, where are you going? He said, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know where I'm going. Well, why are you leaving? God told me to go. And so he left. And by him going, he was righteous before God. And another basic example is Noah built an ark on dry land. And they mocked him during the building of this ark. But he was righteous before God because God says, build an ark. And he did. And the eight who entered into the ark was saved and the rest perished in the flood. It all boils down to this. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. And also love thy neighbor as thyself. And these are the two greatest commandments. And upon that, everything hangs upon those two commandments. So what can a man expect in the world beyond the grave? He, can, he is incapable of communion with God, for God is love. And if you don't love God's creation, then you don't, you're disconnected with God right there. You have a total disconnect. Because to commune with God means if God is love, you've got to be in love. Well, I don't like the way that guy looks over there or what he does. you still got to love him. That's hard to do without the Holy Spirit moving on you. So apparently the rich man did not have this kind of love. And he was also incapable of communing with the spirit of the righteous since he did not acquire a likeness to them. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And he has nothing in common with them. So we also read in, the, in this parable be that there is a, between him and the righteous, there is a great gulf fixed. Since the soul is incapable of the spiritual feelings, the rich man cannot enjoy the good things of the kingdom of heaven, like he saw Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham. Ah, but he is aware of it now. Too late. Against his will, such a one will remain separate from God and from the world of the righteous. He will remain in the outer darkness. The passions which the rich man managed to amass during his life will burn him with everlasting fire. That doesn't, I can't, you know, you talk about that today and you're not very popular with people. People say, I don't want to hear that. That's all bad news. It don't have to be bad news because he cast himself into the abyss of hell. He did it to himself. I talked about in the beginning, the slow death. And that was a slow death. You know, every morning we wake up and we take steps. We walk. And you say, well, there's a step 
and another step. You keep adding those steps together, and they become a journey and a destination. So you have to ask yourself, are the steps I'm taking, are they going to be a, a result in a good destination or not? In fact, according to the teaching of the Holy Fathers of our church, the essence of the torments of hell does not lie in physical suffering but in remoteness from God and in the absence of spiritual compunction. Now, I don't know if you ever heard that word, spiritual compunction. So I got a definition of spiritual compunction. A feeling of guilt that prevents you from doing something bad. And that's, that's a simple definition of compunction. A feeling of guilt that prevents you from doing something bad. But you know what? If you keep doing bad things and you keep resisting that, that compunction, that feeling of guilt, you'll sear it over, and then you won't have any problem of doing evil things and wicked things to other people. And that's a horrible thing, that people can uh, do such horrible things to other people. But we see it, all you got to do is turn on the news, and you'll hear it day after day after day. He says, you know, you say, well, how much longer is the Lord going to tarry before he comes back? Because we know he is coming back. How long? Will he tarry? Well, he doesn't want any to perish. Baby. He wants all to come in to the kingdom of heaven. But because of our choices, that may not be totally possible. Our choices equal our destiny. And so we see the rich man does not yet know full repentance for the present. He only understands that the, ca the casual tie between his condition before on earth and now in hell, but he does not understand the justness of his condition. And that's one thing. Our Lord God is a just judge. We have judges, earthly judges, right? And not all of them are in justice. And, and then some can be, you know, rule on uh, you know in error but jesus christ god the father and the holy spirit their justice is totally pure and perfect but you know they said the uh, the rich man in in torment starting to feel sorry for his brethren you know his his brothers up there he wants to uh, you gotta you gotta talk to him you gotta warn him about this place and what does abraham do to say you know what let them read Moses and the prophets. He said, what about, uh, you know, uh, if someone comes back from the dead, they'll repent then. Not true. They got Moses and the prophets because Jesus Christ was the only one that I read of that resurrected from the dead, stayed here 40 days to show himself to uh, his creation here on this earth physically. And people say, well, that's a storybook tale. Well, when it's revealed to your heart, it's reality. And that's what we base everything on in the Christian life is the revelation of who Jesus Christ is to each individual person. And hopefully this radio show goes out and as you hear this, uh, this study on uh, the rich man in Lazarus, uh, paradise or torment, that, uh, you know, my people are destroyed because they lack knowledge. And so hopefully this show will add knowledge uh, to you. Let us ask the Lord to imbue us in need, the hunger and the thirst to feed on the divine sap that issues forth from the vine of Christ, which is given unto us at the Lord's table at the Holy Eucharist. 
which we receive with careful examination beforehand. You just can't come skipping down the aisle, receive the, the precious body and blood of Christ without being prepared. Paul warns us of that, that it can make us sick and even die because it is the body and blood of Christ on this earth changed by the Holy Spirit during the divine liturgy. So we need to pray that our consciousness, we would grow completely poor and become poor in spirit as Lazarus, and that we, like the beggar who stand in the porches of the church, would constantly stretch out our hand and beg alms of Christ, who himself also, according to the word of the Apostle Paul, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. So that's why Jesus came. He left the kingdom of heaven, the right hand of the Father, and came and dwelt on us, took his flesh from a virgin called Mary, and dwelt among us. He left everything and came here and never let his divinity at all. It was divine and human. It was the incarnation, which is a, is a, People say that is bizarre. How, how, can a, how can be called the God-man? Well, that's where you need to read the Word of God. Now, let's look at the, divine, look, look, the definition of Lazarus. From the Hebrew uh, is Eleazar. Eleazar meaning God helps, but this doesn't explain why he is alone and named in all the parables, especially one might say since God clearly did not help him during his life, but left him to die by the gate of the rich man. And thus we get the parable of Jesus Christ. I mean, the only friends that the Lazarus had was the dogs that licked his sores. I mean, the, the rich man could have helped him. He knew him by name. And just walked on by. The poor man was not just another anonymous or nameless beggar in the street, someone whom the rich man quickly passed by and who then vanished from his consciousness. I don't know if he was really uh, vanished from his consciousness because, you know, there, he had encountered Lazarus about every day. He walked by him on his way to a fancy supper, dressed in uh, his purple robes and all that stuff, you know. The rich man was on a first-name basis with with uh, Lazarus. And yet, despite this, he still did little or nothing to help him. Every day, the rich man feasts sumptuously and then wiped his mouth with his napkin and crumbs fell to the, to the table, uh, for the, from the table to the floor. And even uh, Lazarus would be happy with that. Like, remember, the, the woman wanted to but even the puppies eat of the crumbs that fall from the master table. And the Lord was impressed with her deep and faith that he said he, he commended her for that. So, we continue with this. He could have helped him, but he did not. So now we look at the rich man after he himself died, reveals that he was something of a slow learner and that death produced no real change in his heart. Even the way he was talking to Abraham, as we read in the parable, to his perplexity, after what was doubtless a great and splendid funeral where his friends declared how wonderful he was, the formerly rich man finds himself engulfed in a flame in the next world, and more perplexing still, he sees Lazarus far away feasting at the head table lying on the bosom of no, no less than a celebrity than Abraham himself. 
But does the rich man repent? Does he apologize to Lazarus for his appalling neglect and ask for his forgiveness? Does he congratulate Lazarus on his current blessedness? None of this happens. In fact, he doesn't even speak to Lazarus at all. Instead, he speaks to Abraham, ignoring Lazarus. And showing how hard and unrepentant his heart still is, he asks Abraham to send Lazarus far from the festal table to minister to him. That's more self. That's all he knew during his life on this earth was self. Me, 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 me. This request is stunning. The rich man requests that Lazarus cease feasting, traverse the long way across the chasm, brave the fire, and and all to do service for the man who let him starve and die at his gate. In all of this, he still does not even speak to Lazarus. The rich man apparently assumes that Abraham will send Lazarus to do the job, as if Lazarus were just his little slave. Not surprisingly, Abraham says no. And even then, the rich man asked that Abraham would send Lazarus from the table to visit his brothers to do a service for them, still saying nothing to Lazarus, the rich man is a slow learner indeed. So what is the lesson for us today? Our Lord tells us the parable not to give us an inside peek behind the scenes of the next life, but to us an urgently needed lesson for this one. That's where we talked about the sheep goats last week, being a sheep of Christ at the right hand or the goats at his left hand, and what happens? The sheep are led into heaven and the goats are cast into the fire. Because of that attitude, the sheep were doing the commandments of the Lord, not even knowing that they were doing the commandments because of that dialogue, if you read in the scripture, the Lord had with the sheep. They did exactly what they were supposed to do because their heart was changed and they had a good attitude where the goats were puffing up their chest and saying, well, we did all these things in your name. And he says, depart from me. You are cursed for I never knew you. What a horrible thing. Uh, the goats must have been totally shocked to hear that. The rich man's sins and punishment show us what happens when we store up our treasure and use it for ourselves, ignoring the plight of the poor at our gate. Remember the Lord said, the poor you will always have with you. Placing the parable in the wider context of Luke's gospel allows us to see the central point. You cannot serve God and mammon. Luke 16, 13. You're going to either love the one and hate the other, and there's no, uh, no middle ground here. However much the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, verse 14, or the American dream say otherwise. Oh, I just brought the American dream into play. Our American dream here. Get all you can. And there's nothing wrong with the American dream if it's got the right attitude behind it. We need to remember this parable the next time we visit a mall or encounter someone asking for the morsels that fall from, the, from our table. Spare change, as we call it today. Can't we just help, help these people? Well, they're going to buy drugs with it or they're going to buy beer or wine, whatever. Well, what's that to you? You're enabling that, that poor person. Well, maybe not. Maybe they need to have this money to give, get some food. And I say, well, well, they should get a job. They should get a job and go out and pull their weight. Well, maybe they can. I don't know. But the Lord says, you will always have the poor with you. 
And I, and I saw the words from C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis is the guy that wrote uh, The Chronicles of Narnia. I don't know if you've ever watched the, in fact, the movies, uh, they produced the movies of Narnia. Uh, C.S. Lewis said this. He was rebuked by a friend for giving spare change to a beggar. He'll just use it to buy ale, said his friend. And Lewis paused and responded, but if I kept it, that's what I would use it for. (laughs) So we can't be a judge. Because whatever we judge, we'll be judged. We cannot judge. We can judge ourselves, but we can't judge our brother or sister. We give our morsels or a spare change or whatever it is to the poor, whether it be clothing or, or food or whatever we do to help the poor. And I got to stop and talk about Chad for a minute, our beloved Chad, that he used to do that. And I was quite impressed with And he wasn't boasting about it. We were talking about something on the radio, and Chad said he would, uh, he would help. He would go out and buy uh, subs or give money or whatever, do, whatever the Holy Spirit would tell Chad to do, he would do it. He would buy blankets and pillows and make um, a little care package for the homeless uh, during Christmas. So that makes him a sheep of God we at were, the right hand of Christ. He was This year we were supposed to do it together. Oh, my gosh. Because I wanted to do it. Yeah. But I unfortunately, you know, I'm four foot eleven. I'm kind of kidnapped size. I didn't want to <laughs> do it by myself, just in case anything happened. And Chad's right. like, you know what? I'll pick you up and we'll go do it together. <laughs> well, Chad was a big guy, so uh, you know nobody would mess with Chad because he had a he was a big boy, <laughs> but he had a heart of gold, and uh, he loved God, and uh, we have such a wonderful conversation on the radio about. Uh, spiritual things and it was a true blessing to have chad uh you know with me during the radio show and it's a blessing to have you with me too sweetheart you know i'm not selling you short don't talk about short people i know (laughs) but as solomon said the rich and the poor have this in common the lord made them all proverbs 22 verse 2 the lord made them all so when you look at a beggar wow He's a creation of God. Do we walk by and say, well, I'm glad I'm not like that poor beggar. Well, uh, without uh, the grace of God, there go I, it says in Scripture. Who knows what the next day will turn into? Uh, we think we got a good lock on life. Maybe we don't because things can change in an instant. I had a stroke six years ago. And I didn't know I was going to have a stroke six years ago. And that put me in the hospital. I almost died. And I'm not looking for mercy or compassion right now. I'm just telling you what happened. I was uh, because of probably a bad diet and uh, the lack of seeing doctors. uh, It put me in a hospital paralyzed on the right size. And I was fading out fast. And if it wasn't for my caregiver, my wife, my sweet D, I wouldn't be having this radio show today. And because of uh, the timing and, and, and God's intervention and God's grace and uh, guiding the doctor's hands, he removed, they, they, had, they, they were able to remove a huge clot out of the back of my brain. Yes, I do have a brain. And remove this clot out. And I'm here to tell you uh, I've been given a second chance. And so I want to use this second chance to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ and spread the good news of what he did for me. And now, because I have a wake-up call, I can now hopefully eat right, take your medication, and uh, drink a lot of water and all the things that we're supposed to do, okay? 
So back to the, uh, you know, so I've been given a second chance to go out and uh, for the glory of God now, not for the glory of Al, but for the glory of God and do his work. And uh, <clears throat> I'm not rich, but I'm not poor. I mean, as the Holy Spirit says, help this person, help this person, I will do it. In obedience, we have to be obedient servants, not a hireling. So if they, uh, you know, a beggar needs some help, uh, help him. He's part of the creation of the Lord, part of the kingdom that's on this earth. Put in a, maybe he's put in our place to see where our heart's at. Where is our heart? And they say, you know, how about these people who say, God bless you and just walk away. What's that? St. James in his epistle says, what's that? You, you, you tell them, to, uh, be blessed of the Lord and go your way without helping them? If you have the means to help, you help. I mean, there's, there's people out there that got oodles of dough they can use it and sow it into the kingdom of heaven and help themselves inherit salvation by the attitude of their heart. You know, St. James tells us, I was talking about St. James. He says you have faith, show it by your works. Prove your faith by your works. Now, I'm not talking about working your way into heaven because it's all a matter of faith. It's all a matter of faith, but there has to be put feet to your faith and help God's creation. Gotta watch the time. I got a few minutes left to go. Clearly, not all who merely believe and call Jesus Lord will be saved, but only those who do the will of Jesus Christ. This is important for us to remember this. Remember the sheep goats. What about the the ten virgins? Five were wise and five were foolish. They got wheat in the tares parable. On and on it goes. In other words, we are to be the hands and the feet and the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ and do what he would do in the midst of such human suffering. You think about that a minute. The Lord went back into heaven after 40 days on earth after his, his resurrection, okay? And he commissioned us to go about and continue the work here on this earth because he returned to the throne of heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. So now we are the ambassadors of Jesus Christ to do what Jesus did to t show love and compassion and mercy and help, uh, help his creation. We are his body on the earth called out from among the nations to carry on his ministry to the fallen and hurting people of this world. Boy, if anything needs to be done, that needs to be done. The things that we see that he did during his lifetime on the earth, we are to continue to do. That's why we have the Gospels, the four Gospels, so we see how Jesus, what he did and what he taught and how he lived, that we can do the same thing, that his love would be manifested in us and that the world might know that we belong to Christ. This is the true Christian gospel that too far has been distorted or neglected by so many people today. And here I include the Orthodox, the Catholics, and the Protestants alike, for we all have a share a measure of guilt in this. 
But there are many, many more believers who attend churches in which both right believing and right living are preached, yet they simply fail to live up to it. And it boils down to our choice. And it all boils down to choice here. We, we say, well, I'm too busy to do that. Well, God will laugh at you when you say that. Now, God isn't really asking much of me. He simply wants me to stop living as I were the center of my own universe. He wants me to see that a life spent tending to myself and not only a true life at all. God is a good father, and like all good fathers, he wants his children to outgrow the narcissism of childhood and to learn to love and care for others. Let's see what I got to close out here. No one is saved apart from Christ, but neither can any Christian expect to ignore the needs of others and, and be awarded the heaven strictly on the basis of faith alone. As I talked about, St. James says, without your faith, you got to put works with it, and by that, it's complete by putting faith and works together. We need faith in Jesus, and we need to allow that faith to mature in us, leading us to the works of mercy, works that show forth Christ in us, and works that ultimately validate our faith and give it life. May such living faith be found in each one of us. So as, we, as I close out the show here in a, couple, in a minute or so, every day we send up gifts to heaven, spiritual gifts. We either send up gold, silver, and precious stones that are done in the power of the Holy Spirit or wood, hay, and stubble, which is in disobedience to the Holy Spirit, and Jesus will set it our building, what we our building material, he'll set it on fire to see what is left, for us to see what is left. So the ball is in our court. What will you do with the little time you have? Because St. James even called our life a vapor. It appears for a little while, and it's gone. And what are you going to do with your vapor? It's up to you. The ball, like I can say the ball is in your court. I hope this uh, lesson today on uh, paradise or torment and how to escape torment and how to be in paradise is being, has helped you. So listen to the show more than once and pray in the Holy Spirit that he would guide you in all truth. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Ogladsome Light Podcast. We hope this program has encouraged you to fight the good fight of faith and walk in the accordance with the commandments of our Lord. May God bless you on your journey to salvation.